welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the how-to of creating conscious leadership for business, life and the world. With ordinary people doing extraordinary things and being truly in control of their own health, wealth and happiness. Knowledge plus action with a plan creates magical results. Introducing your host, Julie Hogbin, author, international speaker, mentor, disruptor and creator of Conscious Leadership and property investor living in the UK. Welcome listeners, we've got a second conversation with the marvel that is Catherine Veer, intuitive healer and so much more. And the conversation we're going to have today is around walking the talk and all that that may entail. So, Catherine, do you want to open the conversation or shall I? I'm very happy to. Good afternoon, good evening and good morning, whatever time of day it is and wherever you are in the world. It's a great pleasure and privilege to be here with with Julie today um, and talking on this theme of walking your talk. So let's start by thinking about what does walking your talk mean to you? When you think about walking your talk, is it something that you actually think about a lot? Is it something that you actively do? Is it something that is important to you? Well, I can answer that question. Go for it. So listeners and watchers, um, think about this for yourself. So is it important to me? Yes, because I believe it's vital. Do I do it? Yes, I'm going to say 99.9 recurring times, I do. There's an odd slip every now and then. Depends on the culture and the environment we're in, which we were sort of talking about a little bit earlier. So there's my answers. Yes, I do. It's vital. And B, I have a programmed walk the talk, which leads to authenticity, which leads to my integrity being intact, which leads to people knowing exactly who I am and what I am and what results and outcomes they'll get when they interact with me. So there's my answers to your questions. And what about yourself, Catherine? (laughs) Well, I was just going to I was just going to ask you if you'd be willing to say break that down a bit further before we come on to me. Um and just 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 say what those how what does it mean to you? You know, obviously you're somebody that has encapsulated this 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 formula structure for walking your talk and and how have you done that how have I done it Mm. um I've clearly identified a set of principles that I live my life by and with hindsight those principles are in parallel to my top values that I live my life by or my values that are in my system which then create my beliefs So my top three values, and it's interesting um, having this conversation because I actually mentioned it on an earlier interview I did. Mm -hmm. um, And I was having a brief, not on this subject, but a brief conversation around values there. But my top values are honesty, trust and learning, which is my fourth value is uh, wealth. So creating wealth. And when I first looked at my values, when I worked out what my values were, wealth wasn't in my values at all. Um, It wasn't even in the top 10. So I had it 
installed into my values, but it would not go higher than number four. So the top three are uh, honesty, trust and honesty, trust and learning. So they're mm-hmm. my top three values. So my principles adhere themselves to those values. So I think anybody that knows me um, <laughs> knows that I tell the truth. No, they can trust me with their secrets or any other piece of information. They know I'm not going to share it around, gossip, um, talk about it and share it with other people. And learning is a constant, constant ongoing process for me because there's so much out there to learn. Mm. Um, so all of those those top three things are linked to the behaviours that I demonstrate out to the world. But they are those behaviours are linked to my belief system which doesn't always make them easy to do because my heart still thumps when I have some of these honest conversations, but uh, the solid sound principle that under underpins my behaviours, I know that it's the right thing to do. So that's how I have identified what my walk the talk is. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And it's been a conscious process to do that because I've had to unpin some unconscious underlying non-helpful thought processes, the, the script, the belief systems, whatever you want to call it, that have not always led me to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's not an easy process. It's, it's not an, uh, is it an easy process? Now, so I've been doing that for a long time. And is it an easy process? Once you're, so it's a skill set. Mm-hmm. So it's an awareness, then it's a process of developing the walk, the, the thing that you want to walk. So the principle, in my words. And then it's looking at all of your behaviours that link to the thing, the principle, and looking at how you are living the principle or not. So there is, in some instances, a number of changes that are required within the actual behaviours that are demonstrated. So you can say one thing and and completely do another. If you say one thing and you need to do it, you need to you need to look at where you're not actually doing what you say you're doing and then look at why you're not doing what you say you're going to do. Unpick it to find out. I'm going to say the root cause, obviously knowing what you do, mm-hmm. but look at the root cause of what's stopping you doing the thing and then in simple terms, mend it, you change it. Mm. So that's how I see it. Mm. And sometimes you need people to give you feedback. So if you say one thing and don't do, another, don't do it, sometimes people have to tell you that because it's such an unconscious behaviour, you're unaware you're actually doing it. Mm. But if you're conscious of creating the principles and behaviours and you're aware enough, you can self, you can create the self-mastery. So I don't think it's that difficult. It's an awareness and a change of behaviours. Mm-hmm. And it depends how much you want to do it. Because we live in a world where lots of people say one thing and do another. They certainly do, in all walks of life. From leaders to managers, to the person at the petrol station, to the person on the bus, to the person walking down the street, to the person that you meet at an event or a conference or somebody you're in your family. Yes, lots of lots of people say one thing and do another. Mm. And I think my sense of that is where it's more aspirational than actual, 
You know, it, those often those situations where someone is aiming to be a certain way and they're not quite getting there. Or so they might say, um, for example, they might say, oh, yeah, I've, I've given up drinking or I'm on a diet or something like that. And then 10 minutes later, you see them at the bar having a drink or, you know, eating the chips or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and. And it's 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 the, it's more in those situations. It's more they're telling you more what they want to be rather than where they're actually getting. They're on a they're on a journey to somewhere. They're trying to so the uh, things that they've identified about the the walk that they want to that they want to walk is where they're walking towards, not where they actually are. Yes, there's a whole raft of technical word everybody's stuff in all of that. Mm. Because oof, I've written a I've written a chapter in a book on this. Mm-hmm. Our motivations, our motivators, aren't always conscious. Mm. So motivation, um, and the definition I work with is, is a conscious or unconscious driving force that arouses and directs actions towards the achievement of a desired goal. Mm-hmm. So, um, what motivates? We are all goal driven. Everything we do is to achieve a goal. Consciously or unconsciously. So when you look at your motivators, we may say one thing and do another because the goal that we are driven towards, are we actually really thinking about this now? The goal we are driven towards may be an unconscious driver. So Mm. I've done this. I'll just, so I have gone home and I have in my head, I've said, I'm going to write a report or I'm going to create. Um, an article or a link or do another chapter of the book or whatever it is I'm going to do and in reality what I go home and do and I've done it in the past I don't do it as much now but I would go home open a bottle of wine sit in front of the telly and drink the bottle of wine Mm -hmm. and then I'd go to bed and I'd wake up in the morning I'd go oh I haven't done my article or whatever it was that I was supposed to be doing now Again, that's me not walking my talk because I've said I'm going to do this, but my inner driver, my inner being, my inner whatever doesn't want me to do that thing Mm. consciously or unconsciously for whatever reason. So we have to be very aware of if we say one thing and don't do it to actually really look at what's stopping us doing it and really bottom it out as to what is the issue. So for me, when I was... um, I kept saying, probably four years, I kept saying, I'm going to write a book, and I never did it. When I sat down to write the book, I wrote it within two weeks. Wow. But wow. I, up until that two weeks, whatever was keeping me not writing the book was completely unconscious. I didn't know what it was. Now, mm. with hindsight, it was fear of being out there. It was the fear of stepping up and out of my comfort zone because I don't write a book. How can I write a book? What authority have I got to write a book? When in reality, there was a lot of knowledge went into the book mm. and, and various things since. But it was probably four years before I actually sat down to write it. So all those excuses, all, the, all that nonsense, because I was writing a book for about four years. It took me two weeks to do it. Amazing. So there's a deep inner, I'm going to say unconscious level of what was my goal to not write the book. And when push comes to shove and I had an absolute deadline, because that's what I ended up forcing myself to do, I gave myself a deadline so I could launch it in Canada with Bob Proctor on stage and John D. Martini. That deadline, because I wanted 
I wanted that more than not writing the book, right. which created the ultimate inner motivation, because inner motivation is an inner thing, it's not an outer thing. I created the environment, I created the space where I just sat and wrote the book for two weeks, because I wanted the other thing that was bigger than mm. not writing the book, if that makes sense. Yeah, fabulous. Don't know where that come from then, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, the, that's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. So we say things. Oh, I've now got cramplessness. Excuse me a minute. Um, we we say the things, but actually, what is it really deep down inside that's stopping us doing the thing we say we're going to do? Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a whole um, a whole raft of things, and um, there's 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 the side of it where you're trying to walk your you know walk your talk if you know what your what if you know what your talk is so I mean it's another question for your listeners here is what is what is this talk that you (laughs) that you want to walk um and what parts of your life are you are you walking your talk in once you know what your talk is do you walk it um into the office you know um so with you it would be do you take your values and principles of honesty and authenticity into the office do you take it home with your partner with your kids um with your family do you take it out into the world when you're in the supermarket or does does <laughs> you does your talk kind of slip and you fight you know you a different you allow a different side of you to to come out in those situations so i think that's um that's a really important question and to ask yourself and then the other side of it I guess for me would be there's 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 walking your talk which is being in alignment with your beliefs with uh, and it is a it is a it is a walk I mean you know I believe that life is a is a journey and this is um this isn't about judgment this isn't about you know today I managed to walk my talk and yesterday I didn't you know it's like and and if there's a slip up you know you pick yourself up how do you pick yourself up and keep and keep going because um we're on a journey here we know we don't have to get it all right in one go so it's not really it's just about observing it's an observation of us of ourselves and it's very useful to have um a daily practice where we observe ourselves and we Mm -hmm. stop and see if we are actually uh, walking this talk that we that that is important to us as we go through life, and I think the other side to it is is um, well. So to go back to that, it's like so you know back to Socrates and what's on the the Temple of Delphi in in, in Greece, which is know thyself, know yeah. know thyself, know yeah. thyself. So um, in order to be yourself. You've got to know yourself. Mm-hmm. So how how do you how do you know this self that you are wanting to walk into the world? And are you actively choosing this self? Or are you the self that is has been conditioned by your parents, by your culture, um, by who you think you need to be at work? Are you contorting and distorting yourself? Or you don't even know who yourself is? So um, then it's about being on the path of, you start with a, a path of, of self-observation. Now, this is something I think I've discussed with you before. I've been doing for um, 
around 40 years now, which is every day looking at the day, take, making time in the day to observe what happened in the day, how I was, what my behaviour was, what happened to me, how I responded to it, whether I was able to respond or whether I just reacted to it. There was an emotional reaction or trigger to that, to, to the things that happened. And where they were, there was, it's like, what can I learn from that? Because for me, my learning has all been about experiential learning, about the things that happened to me. How can I draw the juice from them? How can I really um, make that into something powerful for me to, to, to move forward? Because my understanding is that we have this personal learning blueprint and life is set up so beautifully for us to learn with the particular obstacles that are there and if we engage with them and that means engaging with them on the level of our feelings on the level of our thoughts about them and and noticing whether we're just reacting to them emotion we're afraid of them or whether we're able to move towards them and towards that experience so that we can actually draw out the learning um, and, um, and and move forward and incorporate and incorporate that learning. So the other side to this for me is to to talk your walk. Now what I mean by that is so once you're once you're it's all well and good to 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 walk your talk, but if you think about talking your walk, that is much more reflective practice on the actual moment on the present moment because if I'm going to talk to you about talking my walk I'm going to talk to you about what I'm actually doing now I've got to break it down to be able to tell you it's not something that I've decided in advance with my principles that I'm walking in order to break down the the walk that I'm actually walking then that means I'm going to say to you, right, so so this is how I this is how I operate today, this is how I operate yesterday, and I've got to break it down in order to teach what is actually happening, not what I think is happening, what I hope to happen, or what I'm intending to happen, but what is actually happening. So you're talking about analysing your behaviours in the moment or as soon after the moment as you can. Yeah. Yeah, okay. How often, just thinking about this busy world that we live in, mm -hmm. and everybody's always rushed and under pressure, especially if they're working, if they've got a job or they're in a business, mm -hmm. um, unless they've managed that whole part of life so they get you know, time for self. How do you think people can create the time, the space, the level of awareness to be aware of? how they are operating well i think it's it's got to be something that that you want to do hasn't it i mean you can't um if you're just surviving if you're just going around the hamster wheel you're just you're just kind of getting through the day which so many people are and yeah. and understandably so there's no judgment about this understandably so the pressures of having to earn an income looking after you know having to pay bills maybe looking after a family um parents and children you know um often us with the sandwich generation we have to do both then 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 you're just getting through the day then it, you're not probably going to be um in the right space to be able to 
think about think about these things. I think it's it's really when um, your life doesn't work anymore for a lot of people. That's when they start to wake up and and look at some of these issues, like how am I being, or if they're repeating patterns. For example, how many people do do you know who go into one relationship? <laughs> And they talk about it and then and then they come out of it and then they manage to go into another relationship with exactly the same set of issues with that person that they had in the yeah. one before because they haven't actually learned, stopped to reflect on their part and they will blame the other person, the other partner for all the problems rather than look at the part that they played in yeah. bringing that relationship in, maintaining it and and not dealing with it. So I think there's a whole backlog of stuff that that we haven't dealt with. So what? So how do people in the busy world that we live in create that awareness? Because we do have the backlog. We have the backlog from the day we were born and probably before. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we create a world of increased, improved awareness of for individuals mm. who are ready to look at? what's going on for themselves how how mm. can we how can we improve increase that level of self-awareness well only the biggest questions <laughs> on here julie only the biggest questions but that's fine yeah, so we're out to change the world <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i think this is this is it if you have this calling within you to leave this world a better place than it was when you arrived if you have the calling within you to evolve to find your authenticity to become who you were intended to become that is something you know that there are so many pathways that you can do that now but if you if you you know if you haven't got that I think it's more likely that, you know, you're going to have events and things, feeling things are conspiring against you. They're only conspiring against you because this is the time to wake up. So either we wake up consciously and make a decision to wake up and wake up every day as a woken up person. Otherwise, life is just going to carry on doing things to wake you up. So I think either which way... um, Everybody will get it. Everybody gets it in the end. Now, what they do with it and whether they choose to wake up or they choose to bury themselves <laughs> deeper in the mire is obviously, you know, a conscious or an unconscious choice. But I think, you know, um, waking up is now on the order of the day. We cannot avoid certain things like what's happening to the planet around us, you know, and our responsibility within that. We cannot go on blaming everybody else and thinking it's somebody else's responsibility. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, very the book stops with us. This is wake up time. Yeah. Um, just, just for the listeners, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and this is going to go onto YouTube as well. So for you, you YouTube uh, viewers and uh, Conscious Leadership podcast listeners, do you wake up in the morning and are you awake? <laughs> <laughs> or do you wake up in the morning and, I don't know what the right word is, survive? Do you actually feel like you're on a hamster wheel or are you off creating your own path and your own journey? So what I do love with these conversations with Catherine is that they trigger really, well, they trigger different thoughts, which is why Catherine's on for a second time. But, you know, when you wake up in the morning, are you awake? Are you looking to lead a better life for you, your family, your loved ones, your business, 
uh, your colleagues, the world, the planet, are you awake? Or are you operating in that zone of awake, but not really? So just a, just a thought that has come to me from what Catherine's just said. Because I think, again, I can I can share. I don't mind sharing. Um, I think I lived for many years thinking I was awake and thinking I was doing the good stuff and the right stuff and I thought I had um, what I needed. And, oh, and then I actually truly woke up, probably woke up maybe in 2011, 2012. I was in my 50s, very early 50s at that point. But at least I woke up and things changed from that point on. And I thought I was awake before that, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I truly wasn't. Um, and I've just done an interview earlier this morning with a guy. Uh, it's the previous podcast episode who, as a man, woke up at about the age of 44, 45-ish. And he shared that. So um, please listen to that episode as well, because that's really interesting from a male perspective of waking up, changing your life, taking control, taking true personal responsibility for self and for the results um, that you know we all put out into the world. So that was a bit deep and meaningful at that point. <laughs> so well, it's fine. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a funny thing because um, I would say that I was born awake. So you're lucky. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not lucky in this world I, I of unwoken up people. I, I don't know because, you know, as a child, I was able to see all the feelings, all the patterns that people, the grown-ups, weren't willing to honour and accept that they were actually feeling. In fact, I was, you know, I was put down for that. I was told I was wrong. That's not how people were feeling. Um, and I could see what people's motivations were and what their, their their agendas were and where they were not in alignment with what they were saying and doing. And for me, that was quite painful because I'm yeah. being awake. When you see those things being awake, you might wake up later in life and then start to see them. But if you've always seen them and then you're told you're wrong, then that created a, a sort of um, an unease within me where I was like, so maybe I'm wrong. So if I'm not able to trust my own inner guidance that's telling me these things, my inner guidance must be wrong. And therefore I had to shut down to, to survive being in the, in the world with so much information coming in and then having that denied or contorted or, you know, not being, not being honoured. So how have you stayed awake? How did you reawaken it? It was always a so so I always stayed awake within myself because I never stopped seeing these things, but I stopped sharing them. I stopped saying and I stopped telling people what I was thinking and what I was what I was picking up. Well, I'd say like picking up like a radar. You know, I was able to pick up all these things around me. So I stopped sharing them. I kept them within myself, and it it culminated in a very a long kind of um, contemplative inner journey that 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 where where I really thought I can't share these things, so I had to sort of I had to kind of protect myself and shut 
chuck that off from the world because it was like <laughs> felt to me like the world wasn't ready to receive that yeah. because because I wasn't able to perhaps say it in the right way and um people weren't ready to to receive yeah. the things that the, they don't nobody really wanted to be shown the stuff that they didn't want to see this was yeah, all the they've... the dark unconscious stuff that they they wanted to be seen in the way that they were presenting themselves, not yeah. in the way that the bits that they weren't presenting. So for people like me, and I guess you know terminology like empath and things like that come to mind, intuition. Um, if you if you people like me who have all of that in this world, and and there are a significant number of us, it's very very painful. Because people, people around you know, you're picking up things that other people like vibrational things that other people do not pick up, so they don't exist for other people. So you yes. sort of exist in a different world to the world that other people in uh, live in, and so you feel very different. It makes you feel very much like you know, there's no sense of, there's no sense of belonging within within How did that you world. Find your voice again, because you now share your very special um i'm going to say skill set but it's far more than that isn't it you're you, you now share what you do mm. and you work with others i mean i've said before that um i've i've worked with you so i i know what you can do partly um but how did you so if you if you're if you lost your voice on uh, for whatever reasons mm. and, you, and you didn't talk about what you do where did you find it again because you now do share what you do. Yeah. So how long did you take? Because so, I'm sure, I'm sure some of the listeners will be saying, <laughs> "I've lost my voice," or "Yeah, I used to be able to do that," mm-hmm. or "Actually, I can do that, but I'm not sharing it because people don't get me or don't understand me, or mm-hmm. they tell me I'm mad or daft or away with the fairies or whatever, whatever the phraseology is that mm-hmm. pe- that people use about." you know, people with a different skill set. How did you find your voice again? Mm. Well, I'm going to go back um, 40 years now. And um, because it sort of all started when I was very young, there was there were two things that that really struck me um, and 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 really with the world, which was that that I had to find the answers within myself. So um, there were, I'm just going to read to you two 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 quotes. Um, there was one from Henry Stanley Haskins, which was, "What lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us." Mm-hmm. And when we bring what is within us out into the world, miracles happen. Now, I didn't know that last bit. I just knew the bit about what lies behind us and what lies before us are small matters compared to what lies within us. I knew yeah. I knew that and I knew that that I needed to do the work um, inside myself and within myself. And that's where the whole kind of self-awareness came from. Um, and there was also, a, I was, did an awful lot of reading in my teens. And another thing was with Carl Jung, who said, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. Yeah, which is back yep. to the waking up business, which was that that I knew that because my inner life was so vibrant, it was so excruciatingly present. I couldn't do anything but be in the present moment because all my feelings were so strong, and all my sensations, everything I was picking up was so strong. Um, so it it started there, and it was a strong, it, very much an inner journey, and it became. 
um, a, a daily practice. So, so although I've been doing this this inner work actively and consciously for forty years on a daily basis of learning, growing, looking, um, experiencing, coming into my body, and and working with my feelings. And in that time, I've I've come to understand the pathways into the body. I've come to understand the pathways into healing. I've come to understand how to teach people how they can access that wisdom and that power within themselves in order to heal their, themselves. Um, so, I mean, there's some extraordinary things I've learned, but it's a, it's a, what I want to say is it's a very long, slow inner journey. It's only the last 10 years out of 40 that I've I've been able to ready, able and willing to bring this out. It's uh-huh. a start to bring this out into okay. the world. Before then, it was very much just um, a, 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 a huge, huge journey of learning, of inner learning, growing, um, a foundational journey. And I sometimes talk to people about it in terms of the four elements that it starts off, that, that I understand that people start off up in their heads, very much um, it's all about thought, it's all about trying to work things out, it's all about, you know, what's right, um, and, and that's the element of air. And then it's about, you know, the process, then if you're going to move, people are pretty scared at that point, and you've shared with me that you, you know, you're a bit scared to kind of move on from that, because that's the familiar. <laughs> petrified listeners, petrified. The, the brain knows what it knows, right? And and then there's this whole bit that it isn't known, which is the 95% of the unconsciousness yeah. that isn't known. So yeah. we have to take the big leap of faith in terms of then saying, so if that's the the, the 5%, let's find out about the 95% that we don't know about. And then that is about coming into, into the body. And the body is largely water, right? Largely water we're made up of. And the emotions are all about flow and water. So it's all these emotions that we have in our body that perhaps we haven't attended to or in a childhood we've been told not to feel. Um, we've shut them down with um, drinking, with watching films, with yeah. uh, distracting ourselves, with procrastinating, anything not to feel our feelings because we've been terrified of feeling them. When, of course, the one thing you really need to do with feelings is feel them. And once you feel them fully, they can move and they can flow. And that is where the water comes in, that we can flow into our bodies. We can start to become embodied people. Because, you know, in the 17th century, that's where that split came in. Before then, we were, we were embodied beings. But in the 17th century, when it came in, that there was this, this schism that happened between the head that was like the computer, the brain is like the computer, and the body is like a machine, then the whole of that sense of humanity, the whole sense of us being a mind, a body, and a spirit was completely torn asunder. And, and it's really now, I think, the waking up is the waking up back into who we truly are, into a very, very deep, um, grounded authenticity 
of ourselves, not just as a, a brain trying to do things and and walk, you know, walk a talk a walk and walk a talk, but actually how to how to be a beingness in this world that's awake in the body that has an access to knowing who what our feelings are, knowing what our our deeper motivations are and our longing to to reconnect yeah, this, in deeper, is, much deeper ways. This is really interesting. So um, I believe in generational thinking, and I do, and I believe it's passed down, and there's a, obviously a lot more to that, but that's one of my core beliefs. And if in the 17th century we had this division of uh, mind, body, and soul, or mind, body, spirit, we're now in the 21st century. That's like four centuries ago. That's a lot of generational thinking, clearing to be done to bring us back into who we are and who we can be. And one of the things, just going back to your quotes, that you, your mm -hmm. um, quotes you mentioned, yeah. when you were talking about that, one of the things that came to my mind was the um, poem by Marion Williamson that mm. uh, Nelson Mandela made, yeah. a certain part of it famous by saying, it's not our darkness that frightens us, it's our light. So it's the light within us that frightens us, not the darkness. Mm. So thinking about waking up and waking up the light to create wonders rather than the darkness. If we've got four centuries, <laughs> I'm sort of going to blimey, this is a job. Mm -hmm. If we've got four centuries of generational thinking, to get over, to get through, to unthink, un, unlive our life by, mm -hmm. that seems to me like a big job. Mm -hmm. So how can we, how can we help, support, enable people to unleash the light, unlock the light, reconnect mind, body, soul, mind, body, spirit? Mm -hmm. How can we support people to do that because I know there will be I know there will be a lot of people listening to this that are going I agree with you totally get it how do I do it mm. and there'll be some people going what on earth is this interview this conversation about <laughs> you're talking a load of woo woo so there's spectrums everybody there's we're all on a spectrum some are one in some are the other some are in the middle and all the rest of it mm -hmm. for those that really want to get involved in this mm -hmm. change the new way of being mm -hmm. the new energies the new yeah the new changes the new way of being how can we help them do that how can we i say help i don't like the word help how can we support them to unlock unleash reveal the light to get away from the fears and the ingrained, mm -hmm. whatever it is that's ingrained in us, because obviously we're all different. Well, I think cool. we have that to... That's a big question. That's a big question. <laughs> but I think we have to start with, with authenticity, with, with, who, okay. with who we are. And... Um, you know, and what and and realize that it isn't about separating out the, the the fears and the bits we don't want and trying to hide them under the carpet and run away from them and you know blame other people for them, project them onto other people. Yeah. Well, this is a time when you know I perceive us as the the cleanup generation, and and you know and that's the sense that 
Um, yes, the environment out there needs to be cleaned up. And if the people that feel strongly that that's what they need to be doing, that's fantastic because it needs to be done. But there's also another job that is not yet been out, you know, shouted from the rooftops yet. And that is the inner cleanup that we need to do. Yeah. And, you know, this is the generation that needs, in the part of the waking up is the cleaning of the, the, inner, pro, the, the inner person, which is the trauma that I'm carrying, the shock mm -hmm. that I'm carrying, the conditioning that I'm carrying, that I have inherited through these generations. And all this disconnect between the mind, the body and the spirit and the soul, all these bits that, you know, feel separated out, they feel, we feel disconnected. Yeah. And, and we, we're in so much pain because we don't realise that. So the first thing I would say is just for people to know that it is possible to be integrated. It is possible. And it is a real phenomenal aspiration to start with, to know that you can come back into your body. You can live in your body and your body has so much information within it. And when you know that um, the wisdom is in your body. That is so deeply empowering, Julie, because then uh, you don't have to go and ask somebody else what the, what, you know, what the, um, where, you know, what, what the answer is to your question. You don't have to go to external authorities because part of that cutting off in the 17th century was like, so the church has all the information and now science has all the information or the doctor has all the information. We're now in a period of time where we can access that information yeah. and it's nothing new this is this is ancient stuff. This is what we I believe we were intended to be. We're intended to be integrated. It's it, it feels like it's new because we've 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 gone so far away from being whole. And healing is about coming into wholeness. And the way to come into wholeness, the first thing is to realize that we are separated out. Our our different parts are acting separately. Our conscious part is here. You know, our hearts close down here because we've been hurt. So most people close their hearts down. Their pain body is crying out. People's bodies are screaming out in pain, don't want to feel it. So we'll take painkillers yeah. or we'll just <clears throat> ignore the body or we'll tell the body, you know, what, it, what it's got to be or not got to be. And we're not willing to, because we don't understand about the body. Nobody's teaching us that actually the body, we can, it's safe. It's got to be safe to come back into the body. And and to start to listen to the, the wisdom, and I, I give you an ex, I give you an example of this. So I was doing running a workshop a few years ago, um, and we were we were we were we were working on getting from the head into the heart. And there was one lady in the workshop, and she hadn't said anything all all day. I, I hadn't even heard her voice. And some point in the afternoon, she <laughs> she suddenly out of nowhere, she said, "Do you know I'm really worried." And we, with such a strong voice that most of us, we just sort of slightly, you know, step back. And she said, I'm really worried because my son um, is at school and his teachers are telling him he's too much <laughs> and he's too, he's too, he's too mouthy. And, um, and she said, I'm really worried that this is going to affect him for life, this attitude of the teachers. All right. Now, she was surrounded by women who all reached out to her and went, oh, there, there, yeah. he'll be all right, he'll be all right. And as, she, as they were doing that and patting her arm, 
she was re- she was recoiling, yeah. going further and further back into herself. Because we do that. We try and do this sort of reassuring of people. And what we don't realise is it does it has the reverse effect. Yeah. So I was invading their own personal. I was said I said to her, I said to them, just 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 let's let's just, you know, sit back for a moment. And I said, right, now I just want you to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes. And I want you to ask your heart this question. These teachers Saying this thing to my son, will it affect him for life or not? So she closed her eyes, she started breathing, she went into her heart, and then out of nowhere came this voice. No! <laughs> and do you know... stronger than the teachers. It was so powerful. And she smiled. And do you know what? That is her personal wisdom coming through yeah she's never going to worry about that again yeah because it's it's come from the deepest part of herself now our hearts hold that wisdom about everything now people may not know that julie but that's the truth they may not know how to access that wisdom but your personal wisdom is in your heart it's not in my head so it's not in my head either (laughs) The best thing I can do for you is to facilitate you to find that wisdom because I understand the pathways into your heart. I can show you how you can access that wisdom that is yours. Yeah, it's, it's, I think this is a, such an interesting subject. I, 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 and I say subject is more than that, but it's the word that sort of sits with me at the minute. Such an interesting subject because you, you, know, you come through the education system didn't even know I was going to say this, but you come through the education system and it's all about what goes into the head. You go to work and it's all about what's in the head. You analyse the processes of some form of job or business, whatever it is you're running, and it's in the head. We don't very often, I can only speak from my experience, we don't very often go with the the heart and the feeling and the gut. Um, and even when I have, I, I may have the gut feeling because I think I am quite intuitive, but I'll always then analyse it to, and, and see if I match or if there's a discord or a connection. And I think we, and I know that's my personal choice, and I know there are people that are much more feeling than I am. And if you're in the working environment, quite often feelings are just not taken into account because it's all too emotional. Mm. Um, people who feel and express their feelings are often considered within a working environment, I'm going to say maybe a bit erratic or something along those lines or more difficult to manage, it's very interesting. There's a, there's a massive switch and a massive change required from leaders in business, managers in business, whether it's corporate or private or non-profit or us running our own businesses. There's a massive, I say massive because it feels big to me. I'm not sure... How big does it feel to you, this change that's required? To how how big do you feel the change is? For to do what? To come back into our body, to operate from the heart, or operate with the heart as a as a focus. I'm sure that's something that's different for everybody because everybody is is you know everybody is unique. But what I can t- what I can tell you is that. In order to be authentic, 
you have to really engage your whole self. And by your whole self, that means your presence. That means your 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 an awareness of your of your deeper feelings. If you, if you're not expressing them, you're in touch with yeah. them. Not only in touch with your feelings, you're also because that's what gives you empathy as well. If you're not in touch with, how can you be empathic with somebody else if you don't know your own feelings and how they and how they operate and and the importance of them? Any part of ourselves that we've cut off will be either working against us in yeah. our energy field or yeah. will be projected out into the world. We'll, we'll be looking at it in someone else and saying, why are they like this? Why are they like that? Because actually, really, that's just a part of us that needs to come back in. But if we're doing a daily practice where we look at that part of ourselves and we say, how can I bring that part back in? How can I own that part of myself? And you're owning and owning more and more and more of yourself. You ultimately, you're owning this whole part of your inner world. And it's like there's this whole teeming world of our inner body, our inner bodiness. Um, and um, so we could work, you know, we can work on the body so we can take medication you know and yeah, we can I take don't, supplements <laughs> supplements maybe supplements no. we can we can do you know therapies and 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 have healing modalities that work on the body but then there's two other aspects which is you know then we can work in the body which is yeah. much more the work that i do which is like which is like how can you become a grounded person within yourself which is where your integrity becomes not just a word it becomes a, a or a way of life it becomes literally part of who you are it, it comes out of every pore because you know once you've you've done that for yourself it's so easy to discern the people around you mm. how in touch they are with their integrity or not because you are you become a, a person of integrity you become you know it's your your absolute beingness it's not just your doing this walking your talk it is you know you you are your yeah. you are this 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 beingness in the world but i think there's a lot of misconceptions there's this misconception that as you said about emotions that means you're emotional mm. where i i would come to i've come to understand that emotions are like one of the, the most misunderstood things is emotional energy. We don't talk about it as energy. We talk about it as emotions. Where actually it's emotional energy. And we talk about emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. But we don't talk about emotional energy. Because no. emotions come from an energy. They are a vibrational energy. Now, yeah. if no one's taught us how to deal with that emotional energy, yeah. which generally we're not taught how to deal no, with that emotional energy, then it like a fire hose, it just comes out <laughs> anywhere over anybody, you know, in anger, <laughs> undirected, all this terrible waste of emotional energy yeah. comes out oh, everywhere. Now that's and that affects other people. Affects other people, and drains affects. other people, affects yeah. other people, changes the world. Now, yeah. do you want to be a fire a fire hose? No. In the world. No. Do you want to be, you know, infecting, affecting, poisoning other people with all this unprocessed stuff no. that you haven't dealt with? Because this is, again, a choice. If you don't deal with it, that's what you're doing. If you're walking into work in this mood of helplessness, in this depression, mm -hmm. are you aware that you are actually 
bringing down the whole atmosphere. You are actually affecting everybody. We all have our own unique responsibility with that, Julie. You know, how are we affecting everybody else? Now, in order to, you know, say, why do it? Well, if you don't do it, that's going to be the consequence of it. Now, if you do decide to consciously take responsibility and start to understand this stuff where the emotions are actually emotional energy, now you can do something with it because emotional energy is just energy. Therefore, it can be transformed and it can be transformed in one moment. Yeah, absolutely. In one moment. And we've done some of this together where instead of resisting the emotion that you want to feel, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's anger, if you take one moment and in that moment you take a breath, simple as this, 10 seconds, you take one breath and you're willing to experience that feeling 100% in that one breath. It might take three breaths, but you get the idea and you say, right, I am going to breathe in this stress and you breathe it in as an energy, it will transform through your body. It's, it's, some of this stuff is so simple. It's just a willingness to try it out and say, I'm really interested. I don't want to live in this stress. I don't want to live in this frustration, in this depression. I'm aware I'm affecting other people. Once you become aware that you're affecting other people, how do I not affect other people? And that first step is to take responsibility and learn some really simple techniques and tools that you can use so you can start to take responsibility for your inner space and how that is affecting everybody else because your emotional energy is a phenomenal resource if it's caught up in clutter if it's caught up in all these negative thoughts about yourself and about the world and everything else right then then that is energy that you can bring back in and you can repurpose for a positive contribution to the world how can i make my own personal energies a positive contribution to the world okay so i'm very conscious of the time because our last conversation was an hour and a half (laughs) i'm very conscious of the time if people if some if some of the listeners or viewers Mm -hmm. want to get in touch with you Mm -hmm. want to work with you about how they can um wake up wake up (laughs) but i think for me it's even more important Mm-hmm. So yes, there's a waking up process, but the other thing, as in the last part of what we've been talking about, is around how do we manage, um, I say manage, control, whatever the right word is, our energies, because we spray them out around mm-hmm. the, the the wherever we are. We just mm-hmm. spray them out mm-hmm. without much thought on occasions. I've done mm-hmm. it in the past. I got given some feedback. I changed what I did, mm-hmm. um, created an awareness in me, that feedback. How do, how would people, if they wanted to work with you, mm-hmm. and even at that, I'm going to say basic level, because it is quite mm-hmm. a basic mm-hmm. level, like mm-hmm. managing your emotional spray, <laughs> how would they get hold, how do they get hold of you? Oh, right. Well, they can, uh, they can find me. I've got a website, which is called shiningonline.com. Okay. Um, or they can write to me at Catherine at shiningonline.com. And my Catherine is spelt... K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, Catherine, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, at Shining Online, one word, S-H-I-N-I-N-G, 
O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. Catherine at shiningonline.com. And um, yeah, we can have a we can have a conversation and just to give them a chance to explore um, what you know what what they could change where they need to start where they'd like to go how they'd like their energy to be and what contribution they'd ultimately like to leave in this world as their legacy yeah okay thank you Catherine for our second conversation on this topic because I absolutely love it um thank you to the listeners thank you to the YouTube watchers um I know you've seen side of my head most of the time but hey ho (laughs) Catherine's more attractive than I am. <laughs> hmm. On that note, um, go out there, do one action, take one, do one thing that gets you closer to where you want to be. And if it is around energy management, um, looking at what your energies are, looking at your legacy, looking at uh, if you, if it's your inner voice, outer voice, contact myself or Catherine. We we're similar and very different, very different. Um, but we can, I'm sure either or of us can help you. And if one of us can't, then the other one can and vice versa. So if you want to contact us, please do. Um, and on that note, I'm going to say thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Julie. Much appreciated. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, thank you, listeners. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. You can contact Julie on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and hear me out. Please subscribe to her YouTube channel for how-to videos and more content. And please message Julie to have your questions answered. Until next time, remember, knowledge plus action with a plan creates magical results. See it, say it, write it, believe it and achieve it.